Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that tests the bathwater of science. <laughs> We invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. So, testing the bathwater of science. That's obviously a, yeah. Yeah, a reference to the Archimedes. Yeah, thing. yeah. So, uh, it was sent in by Damien Meehan, um, and he says brings in the Archimedes link, and then explains <laughs> just in the bathwater is something you do before you put a baby in the bath to make sure it's okay. Yeah, I don't think I needed the explanation. <laughs> um, <but laughs> I'm like, I'm it's like, incredibly patronising that David's like, well, here's a tagline. I don't think these idiots will get it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a good sign, is it, really? But um, I-, I wondered about the podcast that mirrors the joy of working out that you can find the density of irregular solids through the displacement of water in a bath, which has the Archimedes reference. Yeah. <laughs> really front and centre. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm-, I'm now uh, resigned to the fact we're never going to have... <laughs> That our tagline is discussing awful taglines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I the show don't mind that. Dis- the, 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 the show that <laughs> the show that discusses terrible taglines <laughs> and the, and then a bit of science. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what are we? What are we doing today? What are we talking about? So, uh, as you know, coronation's coming up. You're probably mm-hmm. having to cover it, presumably. Do you know what? Incredible coincidence. I've managed to take a bit of time off. <laughs> <laughs> What I can say is I found the Jubilee pretty hard work. Right, yes. I didn't love it. Uh, And I think everyone at work knows I didn't love it. How? Well, I told them. (laughs) In no uncertain terms. So, actually... Yes, I have taken some time off, but also I don't think anyone was going to put me on it anyway because they're like, well, he obviously... He will ruin it for everyone. Yeah, he, is, he, is, he, yeah, he yeah. doesn't really want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I've become quite fascinated by, obviously, the debate about, you know, do we need a monarchy and all that kind of stuff, which I'm sort of quite agnostic about. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. the whole idea of leadership and why people need leaders and, <laughs> and that whole thing, obviously, you know, the, you, you look at the government and what's going on and the, the change of leadership that we had over the last, you know, sort of last year, I guess. Yeah. And, and just the whole thing about leadership. And I don't know about you, but I hate leadership. I actively avoid any responsibility for other people if I can. And, you know, to the, like, you know, people said, oh, Brooksy, you should, you should be, you know, the, the cricket cap- second team cricket captain. 
And I'm like, A, I'm in the first team still, boys. <laughs> and B... That's a hell of a hint, though. B, <laughs> I'll tell you where you'd be great, yeah, the second team. Yeah, I said, you can drop me anytime you like, but I am not captaining the second team because I don't want the responsibility. I don't enjoy it. You know, I, when I left New Scientist effectively because they made, the, made me a manager. Mm. They were like, you know, I've been there a few years. I was like, how am I going to get a pay rise around here? They said, oh, you know, you become a manager. And I did it for a while. I wasn't great at it. And I really hated doing it. Yeah. I, 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 I've I, never done it, I don't think. No, that doesn't surprise me. At all. You'd but be a tyrannical the, manager. Well, yeah, yeah. I think, that, I think that's when occasionally I've been in a situation where someone does need to do it. I am very happy to. But I don't know if I'm good at it. I think I'm just domineering which I'm not sure is the same thing. I, I can well I'm, I'm basically that. just like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. So have and, you ever captained a football team? Uh, you must have done. Uh, yeah, but not in a not in a sort of serious way, actually. Like I have I have sort of nominally been the captain of like a five-a-side team. You don't really have a captain. Do you no. know what I mean? If, like it's, so it's not a... And, and we just kind of rotate that from season to season. So, yeah. no, no, I haven't. I'm sort of quite interested by the, the concept of captaincy in football because it seems to get handed around quite a lot in a team. Like, you know, it'll be a different person on every game almost in, in a lot of clubs. Mm. And does that suggest that it's not really, it's more of an honorary role or? Well, there's definitely that thing of um, there are some players who, whether they're captain or not, they behave like the leader on the pitch. Yes, exactly. And it doesn't, like, giving them the armband doesn't make any difference. They're still going to conduct themselves in the same way. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's a sort of, well, it's going to be a learned It's interesting, behavior, isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah, you've but, got the, you know, you've got 11 in your team and there's always one or two characters that seem to have sort of leadership yeah. qualities that just rise out of them somehow. Yeah, a Sometimes lot of it it's being vocal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um, then you've got, like, the leadership that you get from a manager in football as well. Like, mm. you know, like Klopp's leadership is clearly, you know, excellent, and his leadership skills are excellent. Even if yeah. not getting the performance this yeah. this season, yeah. yeah, and somebody like Guardiola, people perform for him. Mm. You know, there's something about that that you know isn't the same for other managers. And you wonder if that like is Graham Potter because well, yeah, but then you look at you know he did really well at Brighton, and the players yeah. were clearly doing what he wanted there. Um, you do wonder if there's a sort of overlap with with being charismatic because both in quite different ways actually both Pep and Klopp are very charismatic engaging men yeah um, and so maybe that is a, a prerequisite for being a good leader that you need to have a sort of charisma but then when you look into the sphere of politics there's probably quite a few people who you would say were good leaders without being charismatic um yeah. I mean, I, I would say somebody like, you know, like Ed Miliband or Gordon Brown were not charismatic people, but actually in some ways were quite good leaders. Mm, I don't, well, Gordon Brown, it's, I guess it's slightly, well, Ed Miliband never got into power, so. No, true. Uh, but he was leader of the Labour yeah, Party. Yeah, 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 yeah. Couldn't eat a bacon um, sandwich. Well, I mean. Was un undoing. Uh, I mean, that was a disgrace because, I mean, <laughs> genuinely, I, I think if you take 100 photos of anyone. <laughs> but, yeah, I've seen you find, eat a bacon sandwich. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to find a shop where it doesn't look great. Yeah. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> um, Who's your favourite leader? From any, any, any field. Any sphere, any time in history. It's really hard to to think away from 
away from football, isn't it? It is actually, yeah. Like yeah. bizarrely, because that's sort of the our main exposure to lead, where it's not us being led. Yeah. A main exposure to something where you feel like you can see visible effects of it as well. Um, or, you know, for me, like cricket, like Ben Stokes taking over the England test captaincy transformed them. But is is that not more about Brendan McCullum, though? I think, think it's both of them. Yeah. But, but, but there is that kind of sense of like, how does that happen? That's an it, amazing, it is, it is amazing intriguing leadership. when they are the same players. It's, exa- yeah. it's pretty much exactly the same players yeah. and just playing in a totally different style with a kind of freedom and like... Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think leadership is is, is fantastic. My my favourite leader. I'm going to give you time to think. Yeah, uh, is a guy that I discovered when I was writing my math book, mm-hmm. um, King Shulgi of Ur. So four thousand years ago, he was like the king of like what's now sort of Iraq and around there. And uh, he taught himself or, or was taught as a child how to do certain bits of maths. Mm-hmm. And uh, he found it so powerful that he basically instituted mathematical reforms across the across his kingdom, made everyone do proper accounting, like change the whole... Basically, the country became really rich through his ability to do maths. But then he also made his subjects sing hymns of worship to him because he could add and subtract. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> I, I've got a really awful uh, sinking feeling, which is... So this is not my... And it is in football, and it's not my favourite leader but probably the i think the best leader that i've sort of witnessed i feel sick to say it (laughs) probably ferguson i thought you were going to say that yeah Yeah. but it probably is you look at what he did at at united for so long and reinvented the team where it's so clear that it is about him yeah yeah and again, I think quite tyrannical, quite, oh, yeah, yeah, quite yeah. harsh, and you, difficult. And, you, and the little windows into it are, are always yeah, intriguing yeah. and sort of alarming. <laughs> so very unclop like I think. Yeah. As far as I understand it. I think Klopp is probably balling some people out as well. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. He just keeps the lid on it a bit more sort of when he's outside the dressing room, but I think he probably gets pretty... I mean, look at him on the touchline. Yeah, it's that true. That guy's going absolutely he doesn't hold back. mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, it might. Oh God, yeah, it might be Ferguson, and I really loathe that man. But you can't. You, <laughs> but you can't can admire take, leaders yeah, 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 and still yeah, loathe yeah. them, can't yeah, you? Yeah. Isn't that an incredible thing? Mm. Yeah. Is there anyone in? There must be someone in in politics in my lifetime that I thought you're a good leader. Well, you almost don't want to say it though, do you? Because I remember when Tony Blair was elected, actually, and I was what? like, "Oh, this is really good, and and this is going to be really good for the country, and he's really good, and you know, lots of the legacy is not so good." Yeah, but yeah, but he he is he does fit into the mold of someone who is just, and and that's why him and and Brown actually, I suppose, were a good yeah because he, he's got that charisma, hasn't he? Yeah. That, that Brown didn't have, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, really pragmatic. Yeah. Maybe a bit too pragmatic to be a really good well, leader. Incredibly. I mean, sense. I remember he said that he decided that it was easier to get to the top of the Labour Party than the Conservative Party. So that's why he basically became a Labour Party politician, yeah. which isn't a great look. No. I mean, it's quite Boris Johnson two articles, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Since the beginning of civilization, we've looked for leaders from tribal chiefs to modern day CEOs. And leaders have emerged to provide direction and guidance for groups of people. But where does the human need for leadership come from? Psychologically, what makes us follow a certain person? 
and what impact, good and bad, can a leader have on individuals and groups. Throughout history, leaders have been praised for their bravery, intelligence and charisma. But what about the less glamorous aspects of leadership? The sacrifices, the tough decisions, the constant pressure to succeed. With the King's coronation just days away, this week's episode feels particularly pertinent. We're asking, why do we need leaders? Have we got an expert? Yes, we have. And it's not me. That's a relief. <laughs> uh, we've got Professor Andre Spicer, who is, get this, Executive Dean of Bayes Business School and Professor of Organisational Behaviour at City University. Bayes as in Bayes, as in Bayesian probability and stuff? Probably not. I don't know. I haven't looked at that. No, it seems seems unlikely. Uh, uh, but he is a leader himself. He is a uh, uh, I mean, actually, when you talk to him, he says it's very much a team operation and you might have the title of executive he's dean. He's executive he, dean, come on. He's an alpha male. Is that, I mean, is that a fair term? And we use it, don't we? But I don't think it is a fair term for humans because basically animals are pretty different to, or other animals, I should say, yeah. are pretty different to how we operate in our society. So, so you've got like um, leadership in... Like chimps, obviously you get alpha males, yeah. or as you know, that's what we've called them, which are the tend to be the strongest ones, the ones that win the fight mm-hmm. to get there, and are constantly then having to defend, you know, yeah. their 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 position. Uh, it, with spotted hyenas, you get alpha females, mm-hmm. uh, but and and again, they're they're the strong ones. They're 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 the ones that you know you don't want to take on in a fight. But you've got things like in African elephants and orcas, um, you've got the oldest female leads. Mm-hmm. the group so uh wisdom basically and wisdom and experience is what counts mm. for their group survival uh you've got the sort of the the lioness who is best at recognizing threats like hearing calls and and you know, hearing other roars from other mm-hmm. groups she gets to be the leader of of their pack which is interesting um and then you've got sticklebacks where it's just the best looking individual <laughs> Such basic as, bitches. As, as measured by, how do we know? As that? measured by the group. It's like basically like the smoothest skin. <laughs> the sexiest stickleback. The sexiest stickleback. Leads. I mean, literally, you're the, the big fish in the small pond. That's nice. Yeah. So 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 there's lots of different ways in which evolution has, has got social animals sort of to pick a leader. But, but, you know, most of them do have these sort of hierarchies and organisations. Um, but you know the ones that are closest to us, things like the chimps, they're, they're sort of thugs and self-interested sort of leaders, um, and terrorise everyone else. You do get occasional chimp leaders that are kind of um, they 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 collaborate, so you'll get a kind of almost like a duo or a trio who sort of work together to take over the leadership of a group. But you know, generally, it tends to be kind of thugs and. And obviously, human leaders, you know, can't just go around beating people up. Certainly not on an in- individual level. You know, you can hire the right people to do it, I guess. Uh, but, you you know, human leadership is, is much more about sort of, you know, understanding power dynamics and, and sort of getting um, a specialised role and sort of really exploiting your, your particular your niche. So I was just literally uh, trying to Google fit sticklebacks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but just briefly. Did you find it? Did you find it? <laughs> they all sort of work with the greatest threat. They all look the same to me. Um, the, um, but there is a sort of, there, there is a logic to that, isn't there? Because fundamentally, 
the sticklebacks are looking at the at the nicest, the best phenotype. Yes. So the yeah. best like expression of genes. Expression and of so gene the, quality, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's sort and of survival. Yeah, ab- it, it ability. should be uh, a decent indicator that this is the best quality genetic material available. Yeah. And therefore that's the best stickleback and therefore this guy should be breeding with us all. But that's not necessarily the one that's like the best at finding food or the the best at kind of no, no, social dynamics. No. I don't know if you can talk about stickleback personalities. I, I think you can actually, but I think... You well, know. you know this guy's going to be arrogant. <laughs> He's just like, I know why you've picked me. <laughs> Look at his face. Look at his face. <laughs> uh, but it's not like, it's not a, um, it's not an entirely banal way of, of, of picking your leader. I yeah, I mean, they're not like, you know, drawing lots or, you know, no. they're not chucking the dice. Yeah. So, and, it, and, and, and being a good looking stickleback does tell you something about the, the sort of genes within, doesn't it? Well, I, I, I guess that, that guy wants you to think so. But it does. It, it sort of does. It does. You're only saying that because you used to be a model. Yeah. <laughs> long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Back to humans. Presumably, human leadership has changed quite a lot over time. Yeah, so so the people who research this identify three sort of different periods. Like the first one is where the Homo first sort of emerged into the savannah. So like two and a half million years ago mm-hmm. until about 13,000 years ago. And then it, it was basically, you know, hunter-gatherer bands, sort of fairly small, 50 to 150 people. Yeah. And the leader, leadership would, would be quite sort of low hierarchy. So you wouldn't like lord it over everyone. But there were certain people with sort of recognised qualities, like you know, sort of known to, to anthropologists as like the big men, the ones who had a bit of something extra about them and could just say, right, we're going, just going to go and do this. Mm. But you'd still need everyone else to sort of be with you and cooperate and and everything else. Yeah. So so you you get that kind of, and we still see this in hunter gatherer societies today, in that you get you know leaders, and quite often you know, physically it may be a bit more to them. Than, than the others but it's not like you know like the sticklebacks the, yeah like the yeah. sticklebacks uh, the sticklebacks of the savannah <laughs> <laughs> but they're not they're not like you know just sitting in, in on a throne somewhere like no, ordering it, people about. Like they're very actively involved in everything yeah, yeah kind of yeah, yeah. yeah like you say like low high real collaboration yeah, you know yeah. with your you know what are yeah. almost self-declared subordinates yeah we're yeah, all, it's we're like you all let them go and lead. do something yeah. and someone just needs to make a decision on yeah. what we're going to do. It yeah. might as well yeah. be me. So that, that's I'm, fine. I'm slightly better looking than you guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it will be, I can chuck a spear the, the yeah. furthest with the, you know, the greatest accuracy. Yeah. Stuff like that, which yeah. you've, got, you've got to hand it to them. Useful you know? stuff, yeah. Yeah, it is useful yeah. stuff. And then, of course, 13,000 years ago, agriculture, we settled down. All of a sudden, people can specialise, do different kinds of things. Uh, there's decisions need to be made about how things are done. And immediately it's thrown. Bring me a throne. <laughs> <laughs> Someone. I'm in the nicest yeah. hut. I mean, and you kind of need, because you're trading with other groups as well, so you need people who, who are just sort of dedicating time and effort to doing that kind of thing. Uh, and, and, and you're also accumulating surplus of crops and surplus of this and that and the other cloth. You know, you're trading with other groups. So all of this needs some coordination. And, and so you get somebody who'll say, I'll, I'll handle that. I'll take care of that. And they've got the sort of, you know, wherewithal really to 
give themselves some trappings of power in some ways. It's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to need somewhere to sit and, and do this. And, and I'm going to need somewhere to, to kind of host this reception for the neighboring tribe kind of thing. And all of a sudden it just becomes this sort of much bigger sense of like, oh, there's somebody here who's sort of got all the power and making all the decisions. And, and, you know, there might be a few of them, but really there'll be a hierarchical structure where somebody comes out and mm. and and then if you get you know disgruntled with them, they chuck you out of of the society because they've yeah. they've armed themselves with a few big guys around them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who are they paying off because they're getting a bit of extra money because they they're in charge of all the money. Yeah, and you've got this situation where you've got sort of the potential for despots, but also just you know people just doing really sort of you know what we would see as very leader kind of things where they they've got a bit of power. They know how to hold on to it, mm. and they're making society run because you you know you don't want people to be co- totally disgruntled. No, 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 but that won't work. So you have to give a bit a bit back, and there's this sort of you know sense of you know I, you let me do this and you let me have this and I'll sort you out and and do all this kind of thing and you'll have enough food and you'll have somewhere to live and it'll be safe. So you kind of establish yourself a little fiefdom, and then you've got basically you know big hierarchical structures and and effectively i mean that sort of goes on until pretty much the industrial revolution in 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 most societies you get this mm-hmm. sort of sense of you know because like in in british society you get the aristocracy and the you know the barons and you get the people with a bit of power who just you know lord it over some people who have no power whatsoever at what point do people start invoking sort of god-given rights um i don't really know i mean Probably quite early, don't they? I think they? so, yeah. Because, you know, you get the right priests on side. And the whole priesthood thing is about, a pa- it's a power play, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I'm, you know, I'm your priest leader. And the Egyptians, you know, were famously god kings. And, and, mm. you know, and, and so you didn't question them because it was like questioning the gods kind yeah. of thing. So, so it's very, you know... It makes, it's a good setup, actually. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to be doing that kind of thing. Mm. And the priests had their sort of rituals and, and people were properly afraid of getting on the wrong side of them. So if you're controlling the priest and you, you know you're a, you're a self-declared sort of god, it, I mean it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. People aren't buying it these days so much. But. No, no. But back in the day, you could definitely get away with just going. Well, <laughs> do you really want to mess with me? <laughs> Bear in mind, I am a god. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, you <laughs> okay, Ramesses. And you had the means to to make sure that people you know suffered if they if they yeah. did come rise up against you. So yeah. So it, it's sort of, it's like the obvious next step, isn't it? Once you've got your, your palace and your throne, you're yeah. like, oh, actually, yes, uh, you better worship me as well, by the way. Yeah. Because otherwise not, you'll ruin the harvest for everyone. Not Adam subtracts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that, that, that was one of Shulgi's moves. It's like, worship me. He declared himself a god. Um, I mean, the, the funny thing is, that like, I mean, he couldn't multiply or divide. Yeah. So, so it's like... That would be awkward in the court, wouldn't it? <laughs> Everyone's just firing, just like, go on, uh, take three from seven. He's like, no problem. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what's 15 times 12? He's like, kill him. Out. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, dare you? <laughs> I love shopping. Um But then, like, so, so when the Industrial Revolution happened, you had a slight shift in sort of, in these kind of the the patterns of society, especially you know in Britain, Western Europe, mm. uh, you had people starting working for people in factories or whatever, and they would work for their boss, but they'd get wages, and they could go and work for another boss equally. So, so you had to be a bit sort of careful about how you wielded power over people. So you changed power structures a little bit, and um, and then um, as, and this is uh, something that Professor Andre said: you basically get the two world wars, and they make a huge difference because no longer are you ruled really by the ideas of monarchy. 
One of the, the biggest evolutions we've seen is the movement away from kind of leadership being an inherited position. So often you would gain your sense of leadership, um, your, your ability to lead a group based on inherited characteristics, whether you're coming from a particular family or a particular social class. And that's basically how, for instance, we think about leadership being distributed in 19th or 18th century British society. It was based on, you know, are you from the social class? Which family are you from? And then the assumption would be because you're born into that society, that class, because you went through this educational system, you then had the characteristics to become a leader. Now, the interesting thing which happened is this began to break down after World War One and particularly after World War Two, because all of these people were in the military, they got put into military positions, they went out, many of them weren't particularly competent, so they often ended up into, particularly during World War One, uh, leading groups of people who either got killed um, or the individual leaders got killed themselves. So it then said, okay, to direct our divisions in the army, we no longer have enough people from these kind of backgrounds who we think are naturally leaders. So we actually have to go out and select and train people into positions of leadership. As we've moved into the modern era, uh, as organisations have got larger, societies have got larger, we find increasing movement towards rational forms of leadership, which are basically people gain their leadership position based on the position which they hold within a large organisation. And that often is their ability to negotiate and um, manoeuvre within formal systems of rules, regulations and professional knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it's very surprising that royal blood doesn't make you a great soldier. (laughs) (laughs) I always think it's really interesting because, like, obviously William was protected from service prince mm. william because um because he's like first in line yeah or he is now first in line to the throne and harry was allowed to go because he was sort of dispensable yeah but you you look at the two of them and you think who would i rather have alongside me in in a battle obviously harry yeah so obviously harry yeah, yeah. so so you know I, I think it's it's sort of you know it probably does make sense that actually there's there's not going to be not going to be every royal that's good at being a soldier i mean i i mean prince charles went to did he go to war? No, he wouldn't have done, would he? Don't think so. No. Andrew was sent to the Falklands. Yeah, he was, and then he do we, c- couldn't do we, sweat. After do we want that. to say anything about him? <laughs> I think probably we don't. Uh, <laughs> enough has been said. <laughs> my BBC hat on. <laughs> anyway, so so you know what we might have chosen in the past as being a great leader, you know, who became our king because they were a great um, fighter. Mm. That doesn't happen anymore. That's not, that's not, it's like a, a evolutionary mismatch. Now. Yeah. So it what, just doesn't what we work. want today and what we wanted in the past are not, yeah. Yeah. They don't really overlap that much. No, but, but we they? still have the kind of hangovers left of things like that. So we elect like tall presidents, like the US always has kind of, you know, a certain look to the person, <laughs> they're male. Yeah. Um, and you, know, you can't be a big fat president, really. You have to have a certain something about you, although Trump sort of you know pushed the boundaries yeah, slightly. Yeah, yeah, I think, but but there's that sense of of people want to have taller leaders, and that that is a bias that's sort of been recorded in the literature. Um, and and they also want people who are sort of you know older, effectively, because they they want that sort of wisdom and experience, sort of sense of oh, this person really knows how to. You know, they don't know that that person knows, but they yeah. they have this evolutionary hangover almost, like you've got to be a bit older and more experienced, and you know. 
Joe, I mean, Joe Biden's pushing the envelope a bit. <laughs> yeah, there, <isn't> yeah he? <laughs> he really is. <laughs> and can you be a too old and too wise? <laughs> So, so we definitely have that kind of sense of, and, and if we're in an era of war, people are, are much more likely to elect, obviously, a hawkish president because they want somebody who's, yeah, who's yeah, sort of, yeah, you know, yeah. who's going to engage in it properly, mm. which is not, not necessarily, you, actually, you surely, rationally, not, you want the, the most strategic yeah, I, and, and I'd go careful. dove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's not the way that it goes because we have this sort of natural mm. leaning uh, to have our politicians basically do do what they used to do you know medieval knights or, or kings or whatever you know the the idea of the sort of henry the eighth and the big strapping sort of soldier warrior you know we want that and yet we, we don't realize that that's not what we need at all Mm-mm-mm-mm. so what's the so what's the solution then if, if we're sort of picking the wrong people well i mean we have to sort of step back and one of the things that, that professor andre said is like not go for the stereotypes think about the stereotypes and make sure we don't sort of choose leaders and this goes in the corporate world as well obviously um if you're in a group where there's actually quite a lot of internal conflict it's been shown that the best thing to do is have female leadership because actually you know there's uh there's a different cultural operation in terms of you know dealing with conflict and actually managing it well uh and basically um but people tend to vote for a male president when their country's at war and a female president more likely when their country's mm. at peace. Mm. So people aren't sort of seeing the way that they, they kind of might have subtle biases and that kind of thing. And um, and you can have, um, you can flatten the hierarchy structure. So so what you want is a good team, effectively. It's so more like the hunter-gatherer yeah, style yeah. structure. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is that that you know that's um, that's not something that we naturally go for because our instinct is mm. it's basically wrong. So so there's a guy um, called Paul Lawrence who sort of sees leadership as as shaped by human evolution, and leaders have to hit if they want to get elected and want to stay sort of in power. They have to hit certain really quite basic human drives. So one of them is is the the drive to acquire resources and offspring. So people mm-hmm. under their leadership want to be able to get you know, stuff and yeah. have, have kids and yeah. safely yeah. sort of pass on their genetics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then they have to honour the drive to defend yourself. So you have to let people sort of operate in, in a sort of self-defensive way and, and nothing can encourage them. I mean, just this is America, isn't it? You know, yes, the, the drive to get stuff, yeah, 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 the drive yeah. to you know, defend yourself and, and have the right to defend yourself. And then he says there's two other things which are not so animal um so humans have a, a sort of desire to bond a strong drive to bond with others so you have to um respect that and give people the sort of chance to 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 live in communities and you have to keep your own promises and you have to have fair exchanges so that people can trust each other so you have to engender a trust in society and then the other thing that he says humans are sort of different about is that they have to tell truths so, so, so humans have to comprehend, understand what's going on around them. They want to be aware of everything, um, and um, and just be able to interact with each other according to sort of you know truths and trust each other with information and learn about how things operate around them. And so, feels like that's all going to shit at the moment, and doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. So, so that's not what leaders are necessarily doing right now, which is kind of interesting. Uh, aren't there situations in which? we would be better off without leaders. 
So the hunter-gatherer societies used to pass, or still do, pass leadership around depending on the task at hand. So, you know, if, it were, if there was another, if yeah. there was something that I wasn't, I was the leader, you know, I was maybe the, you know, the, the leader in battle, you know, but I'm not, I'm, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> what are you laughing sure. at? No, 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 fine, yeah. I mean, that seems obvious yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, great, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But not necessarily the leader in like cooking, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so I would defer and just, um, and so it becomes a kind of almost like a delegation thing. People are delegating well, it's to each other. a more sort of technocratic approach, isn't yeah, it? You go, well, yeah. you're the best at this, so yeah. you, you get on with it. Yeah, uh, but that that only works in relatively small groups. So, like you know, fifty to one hundred and fifty people, you can kind of manage that. And after that, it gets out of control. But um, and this is why the, these sort of researchers theorise why so much management in corporate structures fails because people are just sort of not able to delegate properly, not able to share leadership responsibilities. Um, the failure rate of senior managers in American corporations runs at fifty percent. It's like half really? of them can't do it. Wow. And then um, and managerial incompetence accounts for 60 to 75% of business failures in corporate America. It's, is, is that not a sort of variation of the Peter Principle, though? Yeah, the, I think it is. And, and like, so I know several people, I think, who have gone into a career because they have an interest in that career and doing that thing. And as you progress up the ladder, you do less and less of the thing yeah. and more and more of running an organisation and managing people. And there's not really anything to say you're going to be good at that. Yeah. But you just, like, that's obviously where people are going to come from. Who end well, that, up in those I mean, that's, that's effectively what happened to me at New Scientist is that, you know, I was good at sort of editing, commissioning, writing features. Yeah. And then I was promoted to actually run other people who were doing mm. that and there's a certain level but at, at which you had that's some good. self-awareness which was that a you didn't want to do that and b you didn't think you were that good at it i think most people probably just sort of crack on yeah maybe until they're told that they're <laughs> shit. <laughs> but one of the interesting things is that andre said at one point he's uh he said if you're going to go to a hospital you want to go to a hospital that's run by somebody who used to work as a doctor don't uh, go to a hospital that's run by somebody run, run who's by a bureaucrat. Yeah, basically only ever done management because because the statistics say that you're more likely to die in an operation. So so he said it, it just run down. So mm. there has to be a sweet spot of like experience in management. Yeah, and they have to be able to delegate and not be too hands on and know when other people are good at the job. Well, it's the, it's the classic argument around career politicians, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, are yeah. you? Do you end up being good at politics and, and delegation and, and, and all that kind of stuff if you just spend your life dedicated to politics? Or do you need that real-world experience? And I think generally the sense that people have is they'd much rather their politicians have real-world experience because they think it gives them more understanding of yeah. you know what, what's kind of real life outside the, the West, you know, in, in, in the UK, the Westminster bubble is Exactly, is like. yeah. But I don't know, I don't know how much that is borne out in fact and it's probably quite a hard thing to try and yeah i mean this is why people study leadership but there's actually not much really good sort of data to work on from from that kind of perspective because you know society is shifting the whole time as well so so now you've got the situation where you've got technology coming in and you know what what do you you know how how What's a good leader and a good manager in the age of mm. of, of bots who can do a lot of the, the work? And, yeah. and do you instruct bots or do you program bots or AIs to to lead people and tell them what tasks to do? 
well, actually, no, you can't do that because people need human engagement and that bonding kind of thing. You can't just have a, a bot as your leader or an AI as your leader yeah. or your manager. Something I've definitely noticed in um, in the last few months is you get quite a lot of these statements, grand statements from politicians about things like AI uh, and actually... Uh, we'll have this episode coming up fusion and you read it and you think you have no idea what you're talking about. And it's really obvious. You have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you should be surrounded by some people who do, but would you, would it be better to have someone who would, you know, like at least got some sense of it, like, you know, some, I don't even know what the background would be. Maybe they've worked in big tech or something like that. Well, you'd hope, wouldn't you? I mean, I sort of feel like, I remember, you know, back in 2010 when I ran uh, for Parliament oh, yes. and formed the Science Party, and you know, and, and ran on the the basis of, you know, wouldn't it be good to have some people in the House of Commons who had some understanding of science? Mm. And there were very few, and there's even less now. Yeah. Um. And actually, you sort of think, yeah, it would be good because you want people to make informed decisions. You want people to be able to look at something like, you know, climate change and actually understand what the uncertainties mean. Yes. And, and, exactly. And things like yeah. that. So, so real world experience really does matter. But maybe, but maybe I suppose the counter argument is those people should be in the civil service. They should be the people who are yeah. and advising. Like yeah. You don't necessarily need your politicians to have that. No, uh, wherewithal. But a no few of them wouldn't hurt, it does, would it? No, it, it, yeah, instinctively it feels to me like that would be a good thing. Uh, yeah, and if you've got people who are coming out of a of a you know of a thirty year career in in a laboratory or working in science and understanding that, that's mm. got to be helpful rather than coming out from you know yeah. having a degree in PPE yeah. from Oxford. Although, what would What's the incentive? Like, I don't know what the incentive would be to go from a successful career in, you know, some some form of uh, scientific endeavour to then go and be a politician. I mean, I don't Public think, service? I just don't think being a politician is much fun. <laughs> no, I, I got that impression. I, I mean, I met appealing. quite a few of them yeah. and didn't want to spend any time with any of them. No. And I thought the last thing I'd want is to be an MP in the House of Commons. Yeah. And luckily, I yes. lost my deposit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break now. When we come back, we'll ask what types of leadership we can expect to encounter in life, why people seek power, and we'll answer this week's question, why do we need leaders? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. Uh, so 
sort of talking about the fact that leaders aren't always necessary. So why do we why do we bother? Yeah, so I mean, th- there are situations where you have um, the right kinds of people doing the right job, and they're self motivated, and they're you know they're not really in need of sort of interference from above, if you like. Uh, but we still need leaders generally because, as Professor Andre says, they're basically symbols of our societal norms. They keep us running along the tracks. So often leaders are seen as embodiments of the social norms uh, which the group lives by. So they're supposed to kind of being a living symbol of the social norms of the group. So often the group looks towards the leader as a kind of signal of the norms which, uh, which that whole group is supposed to follow. And what's interesting is that during times of change within a group, they often try and appoint a leader who, who symbolises the norms they're trying to move towards. So, for instance, if a company is trying to say, okay, we want to move from being a manufacturing company to being a tech company, then they would appoint a leader from a tech background. Um, And that's great in terms of sort of projection, but it then sets up tension within the people who are from, you know, abiding by the old norms of the group. So that's one point. The second thing which is interesting about leaders uh, is that often they are given more free reign to um, break the norms of their social group. So what you often get is what's called middle status conformity within the group. So the people who are kind of at the lower status level, no one cares whether they break a normal rule um, because uh, because they're somehow outside of the status groups and it's expected of them. The people who are in the middle tend to be the most conforming to social norms. Uh, so this is the classic sort of middle management problem. And then the people who are at the top are often given some degree of free reign to break the norms of that group and kind of act out. Um, and that can be beneficial in some ways because it allows for innovation and change, but it also can be extremely damaging in other times where you get um, narcissistic people, you know, CEOs who are acting out these weird fantasies of their own and um, don't seem to be bound by the rules and um, regulations which apply to everyone, but everyone else has to suffer from their decisions. Yeah, I sort of feel like I'm probably in the middle. Yeah, me too. I don't like it. Conforming. Yeah. I mean, I do conform, I think. You know, if I'm in an organisation, I don't really, you know, I'm not one of those people who just breaks and is disruptive and, and goes out and sort of does my own thing and everyone goes, oh, that's amazing. I don't think no. that's a bad thing because I don't think many people have no, you, a positive influence well, when they do of, that. No, and also you do need mainly conformists for yeah, stuff yeah. to sort of run. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just anarchy, isn't it? It is, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, one thing, I mean, I am very, very bad with authority figures. Right. Like, I really rail against them, but it feels like a sort of personal animus rather than... Yeah, and you probably just avoid them wherever possible yeah yeah i mean i do i do do some stuff which feels like i can't when i take a step back i'm like i don't know why i've almost like (laughs) self-sabotage as a sort of to to make to like make make a point i'll just like i'm very easily riled up by if someone tells me what to do yeah or what not to do even if they're right it really pisses me off yeah um and so sometimes I'll just, 
and I hold a grudge. And so I'll just, I'll really, I'll hang on to that. And then I'll just sort of send, I'll just sort of send an email. Well, you've seen, you've, you've seen, seen, this. Yeah, you've yeah, seen yeah. glimpses of, <laughs> glimpses of stuff where you think, well, that no one, no yeah. one is really benefited from this. And I no. sort of know it. And I, I know, I've quite, watched, I've watched yeah, you like basically set yourself on fire. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't stop myself. I'm yeah. just like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then you send me an email saying, don't yeah. respond to that. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously don't respond to what I'm just, because uh, <laughs> this person's saying he's going to sue us. <laughs> True story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sort of interested that you, you can get to this position of power and we see it time and again and you just start to abuse your power because that, you can that's sort I think that that is the source of my frustration with it there's that I so often see people who are who have power and are using it poorly yeah um, and for self-serving ends yeah and and no one is really able to challenge yeah. it or is so they're so worried about you know whether it's keeping their job, you know, that they they just can't, they'll never push back. And yeah. I always just think, well, fuck it, I'll push back. Yeah. Which is quite self-destructive. I don't think it ever, I can't remember an example where it's ever helped me. No. <laughs> um, or other than in that very brief moment made me feel any better. But it's interesting because I see those people sort of enjoying having power, doing what they want, getting away with stuff. Nothing in me still wants to be that person or be in power. I don't understand, you know, like see people like campaigning in local council elections at the moment. And it's like, I'm really glad you want to do that. Yeah, I don't understand why you want to do that. Yeah, it's um, it's quite something, isn't it? That Particularly public service the, sort of. Yeah, 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 contract. yeah. You could have. I mean, you could have admire it. Yeah, but apparently, according to the researchers in this field, it's like it's a reciprocity thing. Like they get something out of being. Like their personality oh, must, is such that they enjoy yeah, yeah, that sense yeah. of mm-hmm. I'm making decisions about mm-hmm. this, and I've I've got some control over my environment. And, you know, and that's one of the classic sort of things of a leader is that people go into it because they want to get some control. So they might be actually quite exercised by, I don't know, the amount of litter in their yeah. in their environment. And they, I'm going to do something about this. And in order to do something about this, I, do? I yeah, have to actually yeah. get myself elected and, and do this kind of thing. But there must be some element of people wanting to, you know, improve the lot of the population, yeah, or I think that so. Population might be, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a public service yeah. sort of vibe that that these people give out. But then you get also get eroded, doesn't it? You also get people who like just want to be in control of other people. Yeah, that that's the the other yeah. side of this. And you get, yeah. and I'm sure it's the same with local councillors. It's just like I want to be somebody in this society, you know, even if it's a small pond. I want to be a big fish, kind of thing. And mm. and and that's where you get problems because those people then are the ones that really sort of tend to start abusing the power and trying to control the people under them. Mm. And, and so sort of basically that's when it sort of all goes wrong. But and interesting. So one of the things that Andre said was um, that many people exhibiting leadership skills is just a way of getting out of admin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I like, don't want to do this I want to be the, shit. yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to be the leader. And I'd like I will, to tell you to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to tell you to do it. So it's sort of like, you know, it's, it needs to be done. And it's, um, it's, it's effectively, I want to be a delegator, not a doer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've certainly come across those people. Mm. But um, yeah, it, it's sort of, uh, and, and uh, I mean, he's in a university environment, obviously. And, and so his... So is, is he a good leader? I don't think he would answer that question sure, necessarily. Sure. Uh, he's, I mean, he's uh, identified six types of leader. 
So he 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 edited or, or you know, published a book. Uh, he was a co-editor of it. Uh, six leadership types that he says sort of exist out there. Um, I've got an idea which one you would be. Okay, cool. Um, one is the, the cyborg. So it's it's a leader who sort of transcends what's human and non-human. It's like it's slightly above us, slightly not us. I mean, I'm thinking Elon Musk, sort of that that vibe that he gives off of like you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of a bit above all of yeah. you or just yeah slightly sort of um not in inhuman but uh well other yeah well. slightly other like zuckerberg yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then there's the bully mm-hmm. which i think you might mm, be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so my phd yeah, supervisor was, like was an absolute bully yeah. i mean he was ended up suspended on bullying charges uh-huh. which is kind of proof i think mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah 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 and he was in that's that's just how he worked by intimidation what sort of stuff well like um if you like a friend of mine um who was working on his phd at the time same time as me he um his equipment broke or he, he was careless about it and he it, it broke and it set everything back sort of about six weeks or something and uh my supervisor said you do something like that again i'm going to stab you yeah that's not on is it no not really yeah. and said it quite coldly mm. um and uh and, and then you know he would he would just shout at people and rail at people f and blind at people you know if, if anything was sort of out of line um he was he was controlling and, and a bully basically he's dead yeah. now by the way so you can't sue me yeah okay good um <laughs> and and then you get the commander mm-hmm. uh, who basically says what must be done and intimidates people into doing it and you know you don't disobey him and he mm-hmm. sort of thinks of himself as you know the ass kicker kind of you know guy you know I'm the I'm the guy who no, he's a no, bit I'm thinking it, maybe I'm more that guy than I the bully I don't think that is you no, maybe no I not. think you're you're more just like do what I say yeah but I don't think I'm threatening to stab anyone. No, 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 no. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, but the, the commander is a bit more like, you know, I'm very up, I'm going to be the leader of the child. I'm going to be involved and I'm going to do it. Yeah, And, okay. and you know, and you've all just got to follow me kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the saint. Mm-hmm. So somebody like Obama, you know, this kind of idea that somebody's going to be transformative just because of who they are. Yeah, you put yeah. them into leadership just and it's going to change sort of everything. Aura. Yeah, yeah. No, Nelson no, no. Mandela, yeah. I think, was probably yeah. in a similar sort of vein. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, me, that. Yeah. No, it's not me either. Uh, the gardener who kind of cultivates the ground for everyone else to be able to flourish in. Um, now, that feels like a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like... That's not me either. No, <laughs> I no. don't think that's me. I'm just not interested in leading. I don't want anybody else's stuff in my vision. No, you made that abundantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then also, the, you don't trust anyone. Yeah, I don't trust anyone to do a decent job. Yeah, I have to say, I do it myself. Yeah. Um, like, like <laughs> I mean, I'm amazed we've got an expert for this episode, yeah. for instance. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, actually, I, I did wonder whether King Charles the Third. Mm. as he will be crowned, mm. might be a gardener type. Because I don't think he's a bully. I don't think he's no, a commander. No, doesn't feel like it, no. He's no. certainly not a saint. No. So I'm sort of wondering whether the gardener is his thing, where he sort of feels like if he just you know sets an environment, you know. Anyway. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, and then the final one is the, the buddy. So the one who tries to be your feel-good mate alongside mm-hmm. you. It's sort of a bit David mm-hmm. Brentish mm-hmm. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Which is definitely not me. Like groovy teacher. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, like yeah, that guy. Yeah. Absolutely hopeless. I hate those people. Oh, what are we doing back here? Yeah, go on, I'll have a, I'll have a quick drag on the spliff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't tell the tax man. 
So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's all it's a very inexact science. It's a very young mm. science in a way, mm-hmm. and it's constantly you know it's striving for data because you know every situation is different. So it's really hard to sort of really make any sense of it at all. But luckily, I mean, I, so I was thinking about King Charles and you know what he's going to be like, and mm. I said he might be the gardener, but actually, I had to look at his horoscope. <laughs> Because we're into that now, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, according to to his horoscope, um, his signs are all sun, sun, moon, and rising signs. Uh, his sun is in Scorpio. His moon's in Taurus. Um, he, he's basically got signs that he could be a rigid and inflexible person. So, okay, let's see if that bears out. Okay. Um, if you and if you've not listened to our astrology episode, <laughs> you can take that at face value. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm still trying to work out where I, the reason I think I might not be a bully as a leader is, and you might find this surprising, people like me. And it is one of the, one of the great mysteries in the yeah, senses, given is. my personality. We should probably do an episode on that. Yeah. Why do people like me? <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots of unlikable personality traits, but it's, somehow. It's actually true. I'd never really thought about it, but yeah, people do like you. Yeah, they do. And, it, but sort of objectively, they probably shouldn't, and yet somehow they well, do. Well, you don't give a shit about them in general. No, no. But and you maybe, don't and like most maybe, people. No. But, but I most do, people well, do like you. Yes. Yeah, which it's is a mystery, isn't strange. It? And that, well, it's not that I don't like... I, I do like talking to people. I'm sort of interested by, by people, yeah. and then I've got a tight group of people I actually want to spend time with. Yeah, it's which is like, normal. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Abnormal. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't. I couldn't really. I think if you put my sort of list of personality ingredients down, <laughs> I don't think you would say. Oh, Nobody's yeah. voting for that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. People are going <laughs> to like this guy, and I totally accept that. But the strange thing is, they do. Yeah. Well. And then I think you know the the bully thing doesn't quite. I don't think you'd follow through on threats. That's no, the no, 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 no. So but you, the, you your, super, your PhD supervisor probably wouldn't. I don't know if I would. No. Maybe I maybe I've got you wrong. Maybe yeah. I'm, I'm maligning you unfairly. Yeah. No, no, I don't. It's an unreasonable thing to think. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. So, so I was, you know, we were asking um, Professor Andre about King Charles. You know, mm-hmm. horoscope aside. Yeah, and uh, he thinks, and this might be quite controversial. I don't know. He basically said, "Looks like he's going to be a low power leader." One observation is that as uh, is a lot of historical work on on royalty, which shows that as they have become less and less important for actual decisions and having actual power in the organisation, the ceremonial aspects of particularly handing over power and and symbols of power have become more and more intense. So what you tend to find is that if you go back into the sort of you know 18th century or whatever. Um, coronations and you know funerals and so forth were a complete mess and they were not coordinated at all and people would catch cold and wear Spencer Abbey during the thing and you know they were poorly organized and and there wasn't a lot of pomp and ceremony whereas if you fast forward to today you know in a few weeks time what we're going to witness is a huge extremely elaborated ceremony to put someone in place who has yes a formal power but actual difference which these people make is, is, is you know, into day-to-day decisions is relatively minimal. So what this tells us about leadership for today is that often um, symbolism 
around the importance of someone who holds a leadership position is sometimes inversely correlated to their actual power within a structure. That's interesting. So basically, a load of pomp and ceremony means low real terms. It's almost like an act of insecurity. Yeah. Look at me. I'm the big guy. I'm the big guy. I'm the king. (laughs) Kiss the ring. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah. I wonder if that is controversial. I think that feels feels about right, though, doesn't it? It feels true. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd have said it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Charles wouldn't like hearing it. Um, okay, so let's sum up then. Why do we need leaders? Um, did we ask Andre? Yes, we did. We need leaders for a range of reasons. One is coordination, giving us a sense of direction as a group. A second reason is for meaning. When we're in a group, we want to feel like the task we're doing is important, it has relevance and It makes a difference in our own lives and other people's lives. And the third reason, and I think often this is more important, is that leaders give us a sense of connection. They help us to connect to the group and connect with other people um, and ensure that members of the group behave well. um, And if you get people who aren't behaving well, they're punished and those who are behaving well are rewarded. I don't want to lead your cricket team. I don't want to lead your features team. I basically, I don't want to be your local counsellor, but you can still connect with me. It's fine. Yeah. You don't want to be social glued. I don't want to do the admin. No. But then you can delegate the admin. Yeah. True. You can just be a figurehead. (laughs) You get your vice captain to do all of the... uh... That's been done, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it has, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I don't have any particular... uh particular ambitions unless it's thrust upon me and then i would do it and i don't really want to be led no no i want to do my own thing i will do my own thing when i'm ready at a time of my choosing suits you yeah 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 i wonder if there's something in this i can't Uh, understand the mentality of anybody who wants to be led i I really don't get it at all I think that's probably a flaw in my personality. No, I think sometimes people just like being given a sense of direction if maybe they don't have it themselves, Um, like feeling that they belong to something like that's bigger than just them. Yeah. I don't think you like either of those things. (laughs) There is nothing nothing bigger than just me. Yeah, you want to set your own direction on your own. Yeah, yeah. I know, it's given me a lot of food for thought, this. I sort of, in, in some ways, I'd love to see you as a leader. I think it would be... I mean, I'd be good if I chose to do it. Mm. But it would. I I, think, I'd last a couple of weeks I and I'd be like so be, bored with this. So fucking over yeah. this. Yeah, which isn't great from a leader. Yeah. I mean, I remember like one of the things that New Scientist was that somebody was not performing at all. And so I went to my boss and I said, look, this is terrible. And like everyone's carrying this person. Surely we should get rid of them. And apparently that was unacceptable sort of solution mongering. It's like, no, you can't do that. You have to find a way to to make it work. And I was like, that's so much work. And did you? No, I left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not great problem solving for you. No, I made it somebody else's problem to solve my problem. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound design by Katie Baxter. 
Special thanks to today's expert, Professor Andre Spicer. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.